those of you Are we on? There we go. For those of you I haven't met yet, my name is. Oh yeah. Yeah right. Uh, my name is Bert Young, and uh, they call me retired. And I'm gonna miss Rev. I really am, and you are too. Uh, what a great presence with us for uh, for six years, and God bless him and Becky as they move on to another chapter in life and and continuing their ministry in different ways. Greg's going to be, Pastor Greg's going to be back next week, Lord willing. He's somewhere on the continent of Europe today, and uh, if he's not flying out of Britain, he should be home sometime soon. Uh, we sure hope so. Look forward to that. Uh, as Karen beautifully prayed, and I, you know, when some people pray, they just grip your soul and say exactly what's going on inside. That, that was wonderful. Well, when Karen was praying this morning, it strikes me that we are here again at a time of transition in the life of Elmhurst Church. I mean, we've gone from the uh, spring schedule, now we're into the summer schedule. School is over, so a lot of you kids are excited about um, summer, and you've got some plans made for the summer vacation plans. We are at a transition point in the life of our church. We move into a summer schedule. Got Spring Hill Camp coming up. That's always a huge deal in just a couple of weeks, and then some other things through the summer. Um, just a lot of change going on. And I'm thinking, so what do you say on a Memorial Day weekend that kind of touches all of us at a moment that is really quite unusual in our lives? So I thought what I would do is tell a story because stories have the capacity to grip us, to change us, and this story especially to transform us. So in about 10 minutes or so, I'm going to invite the kids up on stage I'm going to have them sit facing the screens, and then I just want to tell a story that is actually more than a story, and I'll be reflecting with them about that. But I want to talk about stories because stories are so powerful in our lives. On Memorial Day weekend, I'm thinking of the story of somebody like Louis Zamperini. Have you read the book? It's called Unbroken, right? Seen the movie? Zamperini was a tough kid raised on the West Coast uh, in all kinds of trouble, until his life kind of got turned around by athletics. He became an Olympian. He uh, participated in the, in the 1936 Olympics in Germany. He went on to fight in World War II. He was shot down as a pilot. He was in a prison camp. Incredible story of the things that he had to suffer and endure. He uh, came out of the prison camp, got, uh, came out of uh, the Second World War, uh, freed as a prisoner. Um, because of all of the events and circumstances of his life, he found a lot of comfort and strength in a bottle of alcohol, became alcoholic, had to deal with that whole deal. And then finally, later in life, at a Billy Graham crusade of all things, can you imagine, Louis Zamperini gave his life to Jesus Christ. And a couple of years ago, when I was looking for a speaker, when I was, is that me, huh? When I was looking for a, I'm going to stand very quiet. <laughs> when I was looking for a speaker for our senior group, I talked to his, uh, his uh, manager on the West Coast and said, we'd like to have him out here and talk. He was not able to do that because of his advanced stage. He died about a year ago. But what a story and what a legacy. And if you need a story on Memorial Day weekend about what um, life can be like for people who go to war and then come back and all of those things happening, read Zamperini's story or watch the movie. I think it's just so very, very compelling. 
And then, then there are other stories we read. I've just finished All the Things We Cannot See. Do you know that book? The blind girl who is uh, being raised in Germany and taught how to move through life by her father in a most remarkable way. And the story unfolds until finally she's an old lady and kind of comes together at the end of the story. It's, it's just amazing. I, I would commend it to you. I love stories. There's some, some of you Jack Reacher fans. Oh, some of you know Jack Reacher. Travels the country with a toothbrush in his pocket, and that's about all he's got. But wherever he goes, he finds wrong, and he writes it. Isn't that a great story? Stories have the capacity to grip us, to enfold us, to draw us in, to change our lives. And that's why we tell them. We have our own stories. Each of us is a story. That is, that's the story of our birth and our youth, and then for some of us middle age, and now for some of us old age, and then for some of us near the end of our life. It's, it's our own story, and we live it, we tell it, and it is familiar to us. It is compelling and interesting and sometimes confusing. One of the challenges of stories is when we tell them, we sometimes remember them differently from others who've lived the same story. I say to my sister, you remember the time when, and she says, it didn't happen that way. <laughs> I don't remember that. Why is it that going through the same experiences with the same people, we have different memories of those events? So not every story can be taken at face value. That is, they're not always true. And sometimes when we're listening to stories, whether they're written or told or watched, we have to filter whether or not this is a true story or something that someone has made up simply to entertain us. It's kind of like that at times when you read Bible stories. What are these stories in this book? And what do they mean? And are they true? And what are they for? So on a Memorial Day weekend, I thought that I would try to tell the story that is more than a story. I dug into this just a bit uh, in the past couple of weeks and found that the word story in the Bible is used differently than it is for some of us when we use the word. In fact, it's only used in three places, at least in the NIV, and in each case, story refers to something that didn't happen. Isn't that interesting? In Genesis 39, for example, we read the story of Joseph. And those of you who don't know, Joseph was a young man sold into slavery. He was in tough circumstances. He became an official in a household. He had a lot of responsibilities. He was a good-looking young guy. And his boss's wife tried to seduce him. She tried to seduce him. He said, I'm having none of that. So she made up a story that he had attacked her. And she told her husband about this slave Joseph who had attacked her. And this is what the Bible says. When his master heard the story, his wife told him, saying, this is how your slave treated me. He burned with anger. So the lie she told is described in Genesis 39 as a story. The second place where the word story is used is in Matthew 28. In Matthew 28, this is what happened after the resurrection of the dead. Now, you 
know that story, right? Jesus raised from the dead, and the Jewish authorities and the civil authorities have to explain what's going on because they can't believe that a grave would be opened and a dead man would come back to life. So they concocted a story, and they bribed the guards, and they said, now when somebody asks you what happened to the grave and what happened to the body, this is what you are to say. So the soldiers took the money and did as they were instructed. Now look at these words. And this story has been widely circulated among the Jews to this very day. So again, the word story isn't something that happened. It was a lie. It wasn't the truth at all. When the Bible wants to tell us what happened, it uses different language. In Luke chapter 1, Luke, who was a physician, and we would assume that he was a person who had things uh, not only buttoned down in his own mind, but was precise in his language and his memory and his, and his recollections. Luke says that this is the opening to the, uh, let the story of Jesus' life as he tells it. He says in Luke 1, Many have undertaken to draw up an account of the things that have been fulfilled among us just as they were handed down to us by those who from the first were eyewitnesses and servants of the word. Therefore, since I myself have carefully investigated everything from the beginning, it seemed good also to me to write an orderly story. No, account for you. He says it twice. An account for you so that you may know the certainty of the things you have been taught. Luke says this is not a story, something that's a, invented so that it can hold your interest. This is an account of things the way they happened. And he wants us to know that we can take this account and rely on it. He wants us to be sure that we get this as the truth. So, in our scripture this morning, we're going to look at a story that is told in an account. Peter, an apostle of Jesus, has his own memory of things that happened when he was with Jesus. And in his second letter, the first chapter, I think the theme of the chapter is to let all of us who read that letter know that this is stuff you can hold with certainty. And so here's what he says. Peter writes, We did not follow cleverly invented stories. There's that word again. Cleverly invented stories when we told you about the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. We were eyewitnesses of his majesty. We saw it, Peter says. He received honor and glory from God the Father when the voice came to him from the majestic glory. Pause. Peter's talking about a time when they were on top of a mountain. Peter, James, and John, they were there with Jesus. And suddenly the whole sky lights up and you hear this voice saying, This is my son. God is affirming Jesus as his son on the mountain. Peter says, I was there, this happened. This is my son whom I love with him. I am well pleased. He heard these, those words. We ourselves heard this voice that came from heaven when we were with him on the sacred mountain. So he heard. He was an eyewitness. It happened. It's not just a story. This is the word of God. Right? If then we have a story that is the word of God, 
What could be more compelling than to simply tell the story that is more than a story that is the Word of God? So here's what I want to do. I want to invite the kids up on stage, and I'm going to pull the pulpit back, assuming that I need it for sound, right? Okay, cool, thank you. Come on up, uh, first through sixth grade, or anybody who's comfortable. I thought that I would do this with a group that I re lead in church called the Primetime Group, but I don't think we'd get many of them sitting on stage. And have a seat here on stage, guys. And you got to face me. I know it's right. You want to always, right? Because we got to see the screens. Thank you. Are we good? We good? Thank you. Wonderful. Anybody else want to come up? We've got room, and we got time. So, I am going to tell you a story, but you got to help me, because maybe I don't know, twelve or fifteen times. In this story, I'm going to say, listen to my words, this is more than just a story. And you're going to say, <laughs> uh, that's what you're going to say. Let's try that again. I'm going to say, this is more than just a story. This is the word of God. You guys are so good. So every time you hear me say it, I'm going to look at you and you're going to say, this is the word of God. So... Here's how it starts. In the beginning, there was nothing and there was no one except God. God, in the beginning, started for five days something that's all around us. He said, let there be light, and there was light. He said, let there be planets, and there were plants. He said, let there be a moon, there was a moon. He said, let there be stars, let there be water, let there be fish, let there be birds, let there be animals. God, in the beginning, made it all. And this is more than just a story. Nice. So after five days, God wasn't finished. God said, I am going to make a man, Adam. And then he saw the man wandering through the garden alone, and God said, that's not right. I'm going to make somebody to walk the garden with him. And he made Eve. God made Adam and Eve, two perfect people in a perfect world. And God said, this perfect world is yours. You can go anywhere. You can do anything. You can eat anything except don't eat from one tree because the day you do, you will die. This is more than just a story. In that same garden, there is a serpent, a snake, Satan, a talking snake. And this serpent said, did God really say you shouldn't eat that? He didn't mean it. If you eat that tree, you'll be just like God. And Adam and Eve said, really? He said, yeah. So they ate from the tree God told them not to. And you know what happened? That day, a new word was introduced into the world God created. It is the word die. 
as God said, the day you eat, you will die. This is more than just a story. Adam and Eve left the garden and had two sons. Cain was the oldest and Abel the youngest. Cain's the guy standing up. Abel is the guy who's kneeling by the fire. And as we read the Bible, it tells us that Cain and Abel each had to give God something. And what Cain gave God wasn't what God wanted. What Abel gave God was exactly what God wanted. So God was happy with Abel. He was not happy with Cain. Cain knew that God was happy with his brother, and he didn't like that. So if you've ever been mad at your brother or sister, you understand what Cain was thinking about Abel. Except Cain was so mad and so jealous that when they were out in a field together, you know what he did. He killed his brother. This is more than just a story. You'd think that after a terrible thing like that, things would get better. But they didn't. Things, in fact, instead of getting better, got worse. And as there were more and more people, more and more bad things happened in the world. And so many bad things happened that the Bible tells us that God was sorry he created the whole thing, and God said, I'm just going to flood the earth, and I'm going to wash it all away, and we're going to start over again. So God said to one man, Noah, I want you to take animals and put them in this big boat, and when everybody's in the boat, along with your family, a flood's going to come, and we're going to wipe the earth of all this sinfulness, and we're going to start over again. So Noah built the ark. It got all the animals in it. It rained. The ark floated. After a time, the earth dried up again. The ark came down on land. The door opened, and Noah walked out, and he saw a rainbow. And God said, Noah, every time you look at a rainbow, I want you to remember, I'm not going to do this again. This is the sign of my promise to you. Remember the rainbow. Hey, kids, this is more than just a story. Noah and his family populated the earth again. Generations later, God came to a man who lived in the country of Iraq now, but at that time, Mesopotamia, and God said to the man called Abraham, Abraham, I'm going to have you move. And Abraham says, where are we going? And God said, I'll let you know when we get there. So he did, and they left, and Abraham moved all the way to what is now the land of Israel. And one night, God took him outside and said, Abraham, look at the stars of the heavens. So he looked up. There are more stars in the heaven than there are lights in this auditorium, right? Look at the stars of heaven. This is how many kids you're going to have. And Abraham said, wait a minute. I don't think so. I'm an old man. We can't have kids. God said, no. You'll have so many kids, it'll be like the sand on the seashore and stars on the heaven. You won't be able to count them all. And God did a wonderful thing. He gave Abram and his wife Sarah a son, Isaac. And Isaac had Jacob. And this is more than just a story. This is the word of God. Yeah. So generations come, and Abram's great grandson was a young guy by the name of Joseph. And he's got a beautiful coat of many... Colors, yep. Coat of many colors. Now his brothers look kind of dressed and ordinary, and they know that his dad must have loved Joseph more, so they hated Joseph because who likes the kid 
who got everything when you have nothing. So they sold Joseph into slavery. And Joseph ended up in Egypt. And later on, Joseph said, I know you guys did it because you wanted to do something bad, but God made something good come out of it because Joseph was able to feed a whole nation and have his family moved to Egypt where they could be fed when the rest of the world was starving. And boys and girls, this is more than just a story. This is the word of God. All right. Joseph and his family lived in Egypt. Hundreds of years passed, and people forgot about the story of Joseph, and Joseph and his family and the people who came from them got into all kinds of trouble. In fact, they became slaves. And life was so hard that God said, I've got to do something for these people. So he put a little baby in a basket down by a river. That baby's name was Moses. And Moses was raised in the court by the king's daughter. And Moses became the man who brought God's children out of slavery in Egypt all the way to the land of promise. Moses, a great leader. This is more than just a story. So they got to the river that separates the land they came from to the land they were going to go, and they were afraid to cross over the river, and God gave them a new leader by the name of Joshua, and God says, you be strong and be courageous because I'm with you, and we are going to take you over this water, we're going to take you into this land, and you are going to make this your home. I am your God. You are my people. This is more than just a story. This is the word of so they settled in their land and you'd think that when they were finally where God wanted them to be everything would be great I mean they had everything they wanted that's not how it worked the Bible says that soon everybody started to do what was right in their own eyes hey you guys it's a bad world when all of us do only what we want that's the way it was for them So God sent them judges. And here's the picture of one of the ladies who was a judge. Her name was Deborah. And Deborah was raised by God to do things that other people wouldn't do. She led the armies. She saw to it that God's people were turned back to God again. A great woman, a great, valiant soldier for God. This is more than just a story. This is a word of God. Well, did the judges do everything God wanted? They tried, but it didn't always work. In fact, after time, God's people said, you know, we're kind of tired of judges. We'd like to have a king. God said, you don't want a king. If you have a king, he's going to raise your taxes, he's going to send your kids to war, and you won't be nearly as happy as you are now. They said, no, we really want one. So God said, okay, I'll give you a king, and he did. And the second great king he gave them was a man by the name of Yep, David. David, you probably understand, is the kid who was out in the field and became a king. And his story starts when he had this slingshot with a stone and there was a giant. And the giant said, your God is nothing. 
And David said, oh yeah, my God is everything, let me show you. And David killed the giant Goliath and started a life in which he served God and led God's people like no other king ever led them. And this is more than just a story. This is the word of God. So how did the kings do? Did it go well with them? Well, for a time it did. But soon there were more bad kings than good kings. And when bad kings rule people, things don't go well. Until finally the people of God had wandered so far from God that God said, if you don't stop this, I'm going to send you away. Like this huge time out for the entire nation. Well, they didn't change. And God sent them into what we call the exile. And they had to leave their homes behind. Can you imagine if you had to leave your home and you turned around and you saw it burning and you saw the city you came from burning and the temple, the church you worshipped in burning? You know how that would break your heart? That's what they saw as they walked away from their home into the exile, slavery for some of them, 80 years. This is more than just a story. Now, I want you to be as quiet as you can for about 10 seconds, all right? I mean, really quiet. Don't move, just sit really quiet. Imagine it was like that for 400 years. Imagine that you, you were waiting for something to happen, and it didn't happen. 400 years they waited for God to show up and do something. They wanted God to send somebody. They wanted God to help them. 400 years of silence. This is more than just a story. Yeah. And then, and then, God sent a baby. Born in Bethlehem. His name is His only son, God, is his father. Mary is his mother. He was sent into the world as the one who was sent, given the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. And so Jesus came into our world. And Jesus grew up. He was just like you kids. He was once seven years old. He was eight years old. He was 10 years old, just like you guys. He never made it to be 72 When Jesus was growing up, he knew he wasn't going to have a wife. He wasn't going to have kids. He wasn't going to have a family. He wasn't going to have grandkids. Jesus knew that his life was about something else. Jesus knew that he came into this world to be the promised Savior of all of God's children. And so the Bible tells us that the day came when everything Jesus knew really did happen. This is more than just a story. And so Jesus died on a cross at Calvary. And when he died, he said, Father, please forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. And when he died, he took everything that's bad about me, everything that is wrong about me, everything that is evil about me. And you, he took that on himself. 
so that we don't have to pay for it. He did it on the cross. This is more than just a story. So they put him in a grave, right? And three days later, the angel said, I want you to read this really loud with me. It says, by the way, he is risen, in case you can't read, all right? The angel said, you came looking for Jesus. Well, he's not here. He has risen. This is more than just a story. It is the word of God. Jesus is risen. Alive. He met with his children, his disciples, before he was taken up to heaven. And he said, you know, in a few days you're going to receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses. And so Jesus was taken to heaven, and he left this earth to people like us who are his witnesses, here to tell the story. This is more than just a story. This is the word of God. So what do you do with a story that's more than a story? Learn it. All of you probably heard the stories I told you this morning, didn't you? I mean, you've heard those things before. I'm 72. I've probably heard those things a hundred, maybe more than a hundred times. Learn it, learn it, learn it. This book is given to you to learn, you guys. But more than to learn what's in it, because if you only know what's in it, it hasn't done you much good. You've got to learn to love it. I love this story. I don't like the story of sin. I don't like the story of suffering. I don't like the story of bad things that happen when people do bad things. But I love what God does in a world that has gone wrong. That I do love. And if I learn it and I love it, then God says, not young, you've got to live it. In other words... Be the person this book calls you to be. Do the things this book calls you to do. Learn it, love it, live it, and finally, tell it. Because it's not enough to learn and to love and to live. You will be my witnesses. This is more, hey folks, say it with us. This is more than just a story. This is the word of God. Thanks be to God. Let's have a word of prayer. Thank you, God, that you didn't leave us in our sin and our misery the way we are and the way we can be. Thank you that you sent Jesus. Thank you that you forgive us. Call us to be your own. Thank you that we can love the story, learn the story, and that we want to live the story. And please help us to tell the story, every opportunity we can, in a way, Heavenly Father, that you would honor, so that there would be so many more who would know it's more than just a story. It's your word. It changes everything. We want that in Jesus' name. Amen. So you think you can find your mom and dad again? They're out there somewhere. If your kids have a hard time finding you, just stand up, parents, would you? And they're going to rejoin you. Thanks, kids, very much.
One of the, day, the uh, ways we respond to the story that uh, God has written and God has given is through our tithes and offerings. And if, if you know the joy of giving, you know what a rich experience it is to invest in something so much greater than ourselves that God uses to bring to so many others. So this moment we're going to pause and worship as you uh, bring your gifts uh, to God through the offering. 